Okay, wait, wait, just a second. I got to plug this. Yow! It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 165 for October 18th, 2009. As an artist, I have a little problem drawing straight lines with rulers. My circles tend not to be very circular. If I sketch something, it's childish and unrealistic. But SnapArt 2 from Alien Skin Software lets me create appealing images from digital photographs. I can start with an acceptable but ordinary image, perhaps even one that has several obvious flaws, and still be able to turn it into something that's nice. This week I'll show you the entire process, and of course if you want to watch, you'll need to visit the TechBiter Worldwide website, www.techbiter.com. You'll see the process from the original image as it came from the camera all the way through to the finished work. I started with an image that I took on a summer trip to Holmes County, the center of Amish country in Ohio, and the place where you can find probably the best Swiss cheese in the world. We came across a barn, a newly painted barn, with a mail pouch tobacco ad. You don't see many of those these days, particularly not ones that have been recently painted, so I wanted to get a photo of it. When we got home, I found that I had an image that was okay, but hardly inspiring. There was a rather ugly drain near the center of the image, some vertical posts, and a big utility pole at the left side of the barn. Actually, I had noticed those when I created the image, and I positioned myself so the pole wouldn't be in front of the barn, at least. I decided the color could probably be improved, so I opened the image in Adobe Camera Raw. The first order of business was to adjust the color a bit. I started by brightening the image slightly, recovering some of the highlights that were lost because of the increased brightness, then adding some black emphasis to restore the contrast lost by recovering highlights. Then I boosted the saturation of both greens and yellows while reducing the red saturation just a little. Removing the posts and the drain was pretty easy with the touch-up brush working in heel mode in most cases. Occasionally I did flip it over to the clone mode. The utility pole was more of a challenge. It was in front of trees and it was big. And the white anchor cable that came down from the pole was in front of the barn. A combination of healing and cloning did a satisfactory job there. Because I knew I was going to be applying some artistic effects to this image, I didn't make the repairs perfect. I knew that wouldn't be necessary. When you look at the images, you'll probably notice a little bit of a repeating pattern in the grassy area, and you'll also see that the patchwork I did on the trees isn't exactly the best in the world. Then I noticed one more problem. There's a bright yellow sign at the side of the road. It needlessly draws attention to itself in the far distant background. A little more cloning took care of that. And if you're interested in seeing just how much work was done to the image, you'll see that these are called out in one of the images that's on the website. The result is an image that will be more than adequate for the rest of this exercise. All of the images in this article are limited to 800 pixels wide, which is about one-fourth of what the original raw images were. But they'll load faster on your computer. So after I had an image that was ready to be modified, I got ready for some real fun. Alien Skin's SnapArt 2 plugin is for Photoshop and other applications that follow the Photoshop standard. These are updated versions of the original SnapArt plugins. After loading the modified camera raw image into Photoshop, I started looking at the various SnapArt 2 options. As expected, I found them on the filter menu. The first plugin in the list is Color Pencil. 
So I started by looking at that. This is a landscape image, and by landscape I mean subject matter, not the orientation of the picture. So I thought I'd start with the landscape setting. Alien Skin Snap Art 2 gives you a preview. You can preview the entire image, or you can divide it vertically, horizontally, or diagonally. Each time you select one of the presets, the image refreshes to display the effect. The presets are designed to get you in the neighborhood of the effect you're looking for. Then you'll need to select some other tabs and fine-tune the image. And there are several tabs. On the Basics tab, I increased the photorealism amount to add more detail to the image. In an earlier version, this was called sketchiness instead of photorealism, so the meaning is flipped. Then I moved on to the Colors tab. The default for the preset I selected was seven colors. Adding more up to the maximum of 100 for this effect didn't change the image a lot. The next tab I looked at is called the Canvas tab. I would probably call this Media, because the choices include several types of media that aren't canvas. I switched from a natural fiber paper to parchment. There was a difference. It was subtle. The final panel provides for modification of the light source, color, intensity, and direction. I didn't make any changes there because parchment is essentially a flat paper. Now, at, at this point, I have to make what's kind of an embarrassing admission. This review was actually scheduled to run last week, October 11th. But I learned on the 9th of October that the images were actually from SnapArt, not from SnapArt 2. The previous version had been installed on my testing computer, and even though I selected SnapArt 2, it was SnapArt that was running. Fixing the problem simply involved dumping Photoshop's preferences and restarting the program. The two versions offer the same options, but SnapArt 2 provides considerably better controls than the earlier version. After making the appropriate corrections, I rescheduled this program for October 18th. This may also explain some of the typos in last week's program. I quickly moved a nearly complete review that was scheduled to run this week to last week's slot. It was only when I started recording the podcast that I noticed some really ugly typos. But to get back to the matter at hand, let's take a look at each of the major effect types. And if you want to see these, you really have to go to the website. I can tell you what they are, but I certainly can't paint you a picture with my words. We've already talked a bit about color pencil. It starts with seven colors. You can add some if you want to. Adding or subtracting colors will alter the effect. There is a comic book filter. This creates a rough dot pattern, such as you'd find in comic books. Then we get into the ones that would be considered painterly. There's impasto, oil paint with different size brushes, and pastel. Definitely painterly effects. Impasto uses thickly applied paint. Standard oil painting techniques can use small brushes for greater realism or larger brushes for an impressionistic effect. Pastel colors, of course, are somewhat muted and soft in appearance. Compare the impressionistic oil paint image with the more realistic version. Two you might think would be similar are actually quite different, pen and ink and pencil sketch. This is definitely not a good image for the pen and ink effect because there is simply far too much detail in each of the color channels. doesn't work out very well. On the other hand, it worked really well, I thought, with the pencil sketch effect. Stylize is one of my favorite effects. Detail is generally reduced, but you'll get bold black lines along the edges of objects in the image. This adds interest. Pontalism involves creating an image with blobs of color, and that's what you see with the pontalism effect. I selected for the one you'll see on the website, one by French artist Georges-Pierre Seurat, who lived from 1859 to 1891, developed his own style of pontalism, and it became so well-known that his name became attached to it. 
And there's watercolor. Watercolor images usually have soft, muted colors that blend on the paper. This is probably the most difficult of the traditional media because the paints are transparent. Mistakes cannot be covered up as they are in oils. Now, at the outset, I said I'm not much of an artist, so I would suggest you take any of my art commentary with caution. Well, I really liked the watercolor image, but that's just the start. As pleasing as a lot of these images are without any additional modification, using Photoshop's capability to combine images with layers and masks puts all the controls in your hands. So here's an example. I said I liked the watercolor effect, so I started there. But I wanted it to be a bit more impressionistic. That's easy to accomplish. The result, however, was a very fuzzy image. The mail pouch sign on the barn was unreadable. So I created a second copy of the image. I had a very impressionistic, soft image, and I had a much sharper, but still somewhat soft, watercolor image. All I had to do was combine the two. That's done with masks. If you don't like working with layers and masks, Alien Skin comes to the rescue. Layers and masks are more powerful, but SnapArt 2 includes what it calls focus regions that allow you to control detailed preservation. The regions are oval and can easily be sized and shaped. You can also have more than one for any given image. So the bottom line for SnapArt 2 is five cats. If I had been wearing socks when I spent several hours working on this review, SnapArt 2 would have simply blown them off. Professional photographers who have converted their workflow to digital will particularly appreciate the capabilities of this $200 application. But amateurs who want to convert average images into real eye-catchers are going to be interested, too. For more information, you can visit the Alien Skin website. And I have to say, timing is everything. This segment didn't run last week for the embarrassing reason I've already told you about. But this week, Alien Skin is offering 20% or 25% off... So maybe it's better that this program was delayed just a little bit. The sale actually is an annual event. It expires October 21st. It will not be extended. Anything you buy from the Alien Skin store should cost you 20% less than normal, but I can get you an extra 5%, and here's how. Download the demo version of SnapArt 2, select the Stylize filter, and you'll want to enter a random seed. Use the number 111 for that. The result is going to be an image that looks nothing like whatever image you're applying the effect to. In fact, it's a design that's defined by a mathematical formula. Now, here's what you have to know. You need to know the first name of the mathematician who discovered the shape and use that first name without any accent marks as the coupon code. You'll get 25% off your order. Here's a hint. Perform a Google search for Mandelbot. If you miss out, you'll just have to wait till next year. A few weeks ago, I mentioned that I've started working on the website redesign for 2010. This is something that I do every year to keep the site up to date. Following a marathon session the week of October 10th and 11th, I have most of the changes in place on my test page. There are still a lot of bugs to be squished, designs to be improved, and colors to match. But overall, I'm pretty happy with where things are this early in October. You might be wondering what's going to be changing and what will stay the same. Okay, fair enough. I'll let you in on some of what I've been working on. You won't see a lot of change to the overall design. I haven't changed the column width, I haven't changed the graphics, the banner, the cat ratings, all those things remain the same. Colors will remain the same. Text may be a bit larger. I haven't decided on that. I'm leaning toward increasing it just a bit, but of course you can control that yourself. 
Perhaps the most significant change is how larger images will be treated. Larger images have always opened in a separate window, and this process works well with most civilized browsers. The exception is Internet Explorer, but IE is still the browser most people use. So, in 2010, I'll be using the jQuery JavaScript library. It provides, via a plug-in, a function that displays the larger image on top of the smaller image. Better still, it works with all modern browsers, including IE. And for older browsers, it degrades gracefully. Degrades gracefully means that someone who is using an older browser will still be able to see the larger image, even if the presentation isn't ideal. Currently, some of the larger images are really a lot larger, sometimes 2,000 pixels wide. That doesn't work out too well for most people's browsers, so starting in 2010, the larger images will be limited to 800 pixels. They'll load faster that way, and they'll fit on your screen. I have at least tentatively added a Call Me function that allows most residents of the continental United States, Hawaii, and most of Canada to connect with me by Google Voice, not Alaska, though for some reason. I have also added a translation function. This means that people who would prefer to read the site in Russian, Italian, German, Chinese, Icelandic, or dozens of other languages can do so. This isn't something I'd been concerned with when Technology Corner was available only to listeners in Ohio and portions of the surrounding states. Now it's somewhat more important. This year's changes are more evolutionary than revolutionary. Last year, I made some revolutionary changes in essentially eliminating tables and adopting cascading style sheet technology for design. The most radical addition in 2010 is going to be the jQuery library. It's been available for several years, but it is now mature enough for me to consider it for general use. The web continues to be a moving target, and sometimes the best philosophy is summed up this way. Ready? Fire! Aim! Patch Tuesday. I quote Wikipedia. Patch Tuesday is the second Tuesday of each month, the day on which Microsoft releases security patches. Starting with Windows 98, Microsoft included a Windows update system that would check for patches to Windows and its components, which Microsoft would release intermittently. With the release of Microsoft Update, the system also checks for updates to other Microsoft products. This month, Patch Tuesday, which reached most of my computers on Thursday and Friday, was enormous. Microsoft issued a baker's dozen of security patches this month. If you're buying donuts, you might appreciate a baker's dozen. When it comes to security patches, probably not so much. If you are running Windows 7, as I am, the load wasn't as heavy, but for XP and Vista users, wow. Here's a quick rundown, and to keep this as simple and as short as possible, I'll just give you the last four numbers of the patch. All of these start with MS09-050 slash KB97. So I'll give you the last four digits, which in this case would be 5517. 5517 is a critical update for Vista and Windows 2008 server. It fixes a flaw that could allow remote code execution attacks. In addition, it repairs two other issues that haven't yet been disclosed. So if you have one of those operating systems, you want to install that one now. Another critical update, 5682, is for Windows 2000, XP Vista, Server 2003, and Server 2008. It repairs vulnerabilities in the Windows Media Runtime. If left unpatched, remote code execution would be possible, and a remote cracker could gain local rights. That's not a good thing, so you want to install that one, too. 
Critical 4112. This is for Windows 2000 XP and 2003 server. Patch resolves another problem with Windows Media. Don't put that one off. Critical 4455. If you use any version of Internet Explorer, any version of Internet Explorer, from 5.01 to 8 on any platform. This update resolves several IE security flaws that could allow remote code execution attacks on your computer. So you want that one to install, and as quickly as possible. Critical 3525. This is for Windows 2000 and XP. It's considered important for Vista and Windows 7. Less critical for Windows 2003 server and 2008 server. It's a cumulative security update for the ActiveX Killbits component. Critical 3965 for Office XP, Office 2003, Visio Viewer 2002, Visio Viewer 2003. Visio Viewer 2007 fixes ActiveX flaws in Office. These could be used to perform remote code execution attacks using a local user's privileges. It is critical for all platforms if you're using any component of Office. So install it. Critical 4378 for Windows 2000 through Windows 7. Also, if you're running Silverlight on a Mac or Windows platform, the Net Framework component needs to be patched, so allow that one without question. Then there are the others that are important but not critical. 7488 addresses problems with the graphics system. Poorly written code could allow remote code execution attacks to be triggered with malformed image files. Any Windows user should probably allow that to be installed, even though it's not critical. 5254 is one that Microsoft lists as important for most versions of Windows except Windows 7. Windows 7 users don't need it. It fixes bugs that are associated with the Internet Information Services FTP service. It is not a critical patch unless you're using IIS, and you're probably not. 4571 addresses a problem with the Windows cryptography system that could allow attackers to gain access to computers running Windows 2000, XP, Vista, Windows 7, or the 2003 or 2008 server versions. So you probably want to install that one. 9059. This one is down near the bottom for good reason. It's somewhat far-fetched. Microsoft says it might be possible for an attacker to use the indexing services ActiveX control to force the target computer to index a bad URL. This rogue URL might then allow a fraudster's code to run on your computer. The risk is probably pretty slight, but you should still install the patch. Number 1486 is important for most versions of Windows except Windows 7. It fixes a problem that might permit a cracker to run remote code locally. Install this as soon as Microsoft makes it available. And 5467, it's important for all versions of Windows from XP through Vista and Windows 7, as well as for 2003 and 2008 server versions. It fixes a problem that might allow an attacker to send a malformed NTLM authentication packet and perform a denial-of-service exploit. Don't go out of your way to find this patch, but if the download and update service offers it to you, go ahead and install it. October is Cybersecurity Month. And I'll take a bit of a sidestep here and tell you that I stopped by a clinic for a flu shot this week. When I have the opportunity, I'll get the H1N1 flu shot. I haven't done that yet. These vaccinations may prevent me from contracting seasonal or H1N1 flu. But the more important point is that my action will help protect society as a whole. Vaccination is less about the individual than about what we call the herd. The more people who are vaccinated the lower the threat to society at large from whatever threat they've been vaccinated against. And so it is with computer security. This month is the 6th Annual National Cybersecurity Awareness Month, sponsored by the Department of Homeland Security. 
The theme for National Cybersecurity Awareness Month this year is our shared responsibility to reinforce the message that all computer users, not just industry and government, have a responsibility to practice good cyber hygiene and to protect themselves and their families at home, at work, and at school. This is a program that was established by the Bush administration and continued by the Obama administration. Americans are encouraged to keep themselves safe online and, by doing so, keep their personal assets and information secure while improving the overall security of cyberspace. Here are some suggestions from the Department of Homeland Security. Make sure you have antivirus software and firewalls installed and properly configured. Also keep them up to date. New threats are discovered every day, and keeping your software updated is one of the easier ways to protect yourself from an attack. Set your computer to automatically update these for you. Update your operating system and critical program software. Software updates offer the latest protection against malicious activities. Turn on automatic updating if that feature is available. I might quibble a bit with that one. I would prefer to have the updates downloaded, but I want to take a look at them before they get installed. Backup key files. If you have important files stored on your computer, copy them to a removable disk and store it in a safe place. In other words, this isn't rocket science. It's common sense. For additional information and recommendations, visit the National Cybersecurity website, and you'll find a link to that site from the TechBiter Worldwide website. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. Thanks. Bye-bye.